0: Hey, welcome back everybody to another episode of Alt Reports Radio. And I'm really happy to be on here today uh, with a guy who we've we've uh, known of each other and sort of n- known each other for years, but we've never sat down to talk. And so I'm thrilled to have him on here. Chris Seventy, did I say it right? E. Yes, you did. Okay, yeah, right on. Did. Thanks. I, uh, I got some coaching beforehand, so um, and I was told it's like the number and the letter 70. And I was, okay, perfect. I'm going to get that get that right when I get on there. Um, Chris is in the mortgage note space, and I know that we've had a lot of interviews about that here. And the reason is, is because I really, uh, I really like it as an investment for a bunch of reasons, with, which hopefully... Chris will unpack for us a little bit uh, today why he's invested in them and why he's building what he's building over there. So, Chris, thanks so much for uh, jumping on here. really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for having me today. So it's an honor and privilege to be here. Pleasure is all mine. So um, I have seen your name around for years uh, from distressedpro.com, which is my last business, and um, you have been uh, quietly or maybe not so quietly building an empire over there that I would love to uh, hear about. If we could just go back, though, uh, and rewind, could you tell us a little bit about how you found this investment space?
1: Yeah, kind of by luck, to be honest. Uh, about seven years ago, uh, you know, my wife and I were building out a rental portfolio, and we had kids at the time, and after doing a few, you know, rehabs on those rentals and then get them rented, my wife looked at me and it's like, okay, we can't do that anymore. Too much going on on the weekends. And, yeah. you know, so I got the uh, the no from her and I was looking for, you know, alternative investments that you could invest in and something that was, uh, I'll say, active but less active than – uh, you know, flipping or trying to rehab a property. And at first thing that came up, um, I was on website, bigger pockets, which probably many people have heard of. And the first thing I started looking at was tax liens. And then when I was analyzing that, I'm like, eh, seems too easy. Too many people can, you know, there's not a lot of strategy, um, you know, game theory type involved with it. Uh, and then I stumbled across note, note investing and it kind of, to me at first I got upset because you know i graduated college in the mid 90s to age myself and i've been in real estate i've been in construction and i never heard of note investing so i was like how did i i knew of private lending but i never knew you could buy distressed debt so i was kind of a little bit upset but uh you know then once i started diving in yeah upset that i missed it yeah i was upset that i missed it that i was like i wish i would have done this you know again, back in 2010 or eight or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was upset that I missed, missed the opportunity or didn't know about this. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, so that's how I kind of got started and being an engineer by background. I kind of overanalyze things to the nth degree before I started buying notes, uh, which I bought my first note in uh, 2016. And, wow. you know, since fast forward to today, we bought over 500
0: notes. Wow. So tell me about that first deal. How did you take the plunge? Where did you sort? it And all that. Yep. Uh, so it was sourced
1: from uh, somebody you probably know, Paul Burkett. Um, okay. Yeah. We sure. Ran a company, uh, auto- Automation Finance at the time. Uh, you know, might be under a different entity now. And I was using my uh, at the time. Again, another thing that upset me was I had switched jobs recently, and I always was told, "Hey, you got to take your retirement account, and move it from one company to the next." Yeah. Um, and I moved it to you know basically a self-directed account where. I managed the money. So I bought four notes um, that were all low balance uh, off Paul. Um, one of them was in bankruptcy, two were non-performing and one was performing. And my all in between the four was like 25 or 30 grand. I mean, okay. the balances on these were probably like forty fifty thousand 50,000 total. So yeah. I I started basically by like, okay, I didn't JV with somebody. If I'm going to go in, I'm going to lose. I'm only going to lose a few thousand bucks. Um, But hey, let me go through. And to me, kind of being the type of person who wants to try and conquer the world off the bat, you know, let's try bankruptcy. Let's try a non-performer. So I just dove in.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. How did those perform for you?
1: Uh, Actually, they performed well. I ended up, uh, you know, the one of them, um, basically one of them, I may have made like, 200 bucks, which, you know, basically nothing um, yeah. The performing one just kept performing and paid off early. And then the one in bankruptcy did well. Um, overall, I mean, combined, I made a double digit return on them. So nice. instead of going to pay somebody, you know, 5,000 bucks to learn, I ended up making, you know, probably about the end of the day, maybe three, $4,000 um, on those investments uh, and got a really good education.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's uh Learning by doing is certainly the fastest. Uh, might not yeah. be the best uh, all the time, but it's certainly certainly <laughs> the fastest way to you know get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves. Mm-hmm. So tell me about nice. how you went from that to snowballing. Now you're at some point you started, you moved on from just operating with your own account, right, and mm-hmm. started raising money. Talk a little bit about how that happened.
1: Yeah, I've always had the, you know a long term mindset and understanding that it's always a process. And, you know, I bought those first few notes and then I went to a bunch of seminars. And what I started eventually doing initially was the joint venture route where I would meet people at seminars and basically reach out to them and say, hey, look, if you find this too overwhelming, let's JV and we'll partner together. And with mm-hmm. my initial investors, as you as you know, previously most JV deals were like a 50-50 split. Yeah. so. What could I offer somebody? So I was offering 60%. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you sixty. I'll take forty. And to them, they look at it as a lot. But if you take a twenty-five thousand dollar investment, let's say you make twenty percent on it, which is five grand, instead of giving them twenty-five hundred, I'm giving them three. So I'm cutting myself out five hundred bucks, which I was also working full time. So yeah. to to give away an extra five hundred dollars to get that money in, I was looking at it as a win. So that was kind of one of the things you know that I did differently. And you know, throughout my career, I like to think I zig when others zag. But all of a sudden, it just starts snowballing where now I get one, then three, then five. And next thing you know, after about 18 months, I had like 40 JV partners. Wow. And all of a sudden, I realized this is too much because each partner is like its own individual company. Yeah. And then what I did is um, there was a, an asset a tape came out of a bunch of, its time, land contracts. And uh, basically it was about a million dollar acquisition. So I reached out to all the people I JV'd with and said, hey, look, do you want to partner and go take this down? So in the span of two weeks, myself and Gail Greenberg at the time um, went and raised a million dollars to take down um, basically like 70 assets. Wow! And that was our first kind of fund. And what set us up, I think, for success on that was six months prior. I'd reached out to my attorney I said, can you just draft documents for a Reg D offering just to have them just in case and so forth. So it allowed us to literally, you know, everything was already done. All we had to do is name the company and kind of put in the types of returns. And I kept it simple, stupid, where it was just that fund was a 50-50 split with investors. So it just made everything. It's like, hey, we're just taking the JV individually, rolling them up at a ball and putting it into one entity. Wow, that's awesome.
0: So if somebody's listening to this, they've never heard Reg D, you talk a little bit about what that means?
1: Yep. So it is um, you know, the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission. Uh, when you're raising funds, there's multiple ways you can do it. Uh, And Regulation D is an exemption, meaning, uh, you know, there's several different classes. There's a 506, um, and this will use 506C, which allows the uh, sponsor to advertise for the deal. But the investors have to be accredited, meaning they have to have um, either net worth over a million dollars outside their primary residence, I believe. I can't recall if it's primary or not, or $250,000 income or $300,000 if uh, a joint couple Um, so, you know, by doing that, you file with the SEC, but you don't have to, um, you know, go through as much regulations as public companies do, or some of the other types of offerings that are allowed. The caveat to it is though, your investors have to be, uh, accredited, um, within that, uh, investment.
0: Okay. And so you did that, that first one, that went pretty well.
1: Yeah, that one actually, uh, I think I I spoiled some of the investors because the company I was selling it um, just needed to liquidate them, so we got these out of steel. Um, so that one went well, but it snowballed into another one and another one and another one that we kept you know doing them and One of the theory one of the things I did early on was when I was doing these regulation d offerings instead of just going to raise twenty five raised a few million because I would also change some of the parameters you know what 's the preferred return versus a split to kind of measure and see you know, basically so I can fine tune for the future because hmm. in one of them, for example, you know, I'll be honest, I gave too much pref. And during the, during the fund, you know, I basically had a low, ma- I had a management fee, but on, you know, the percentage based on the amount raised it was pocket change essentially. So I basically didn't make any money in that one till the end. So it's like, okay, lesson learned, um, yeah. you know, and so in, in that, so by doing them, you know, in smaller increments and tr- trying different, um, numbers on things, it allowed me for my Latin, the, the one I'm running now to really fine tune and model it to, uh, for a more successful campaign.
0: Wow. So in case somebody hasn't heard the term pref before, can you, uh, I just yeah. want to make sure we don't, we got we eyes and cross teeth while we go.
1: Through. Oh, no, no worries. So it's the preferred return, which uh, it's the money that goes to, you know, the investors. So, yeah. you know, the profits that come in the door, uh, you know, depending how it's structured, usually there might be like a management fee that the sponsor takes. And yeah. then the first, I'll just use 10% as a number, because it's easy to say, first 10% of profits go to those investors. And then there's what's called a waterfall potentially, which is the money after that, how does it flow downhill, which is where the term "waterfall" comes from? Cool,
0: thank you for doing that. I, uh, what I 'm really trying to do with this show is you know a lot of the folks mm-hmm. who are listening to this have not been in alternative and private mm-hmm. uh, funds before, mm-hmm. and uh, and now, with the way the markets are and all that is you know mm-hmm. they're more interested and I just want to make sure that we educate folks yeah. as, we, as we move through this. Mm-hmm. so really appreciate that. So then, um, where does that bring us to today? So you at some point you quit your job.
1: Yes. Um, So, uh, earlier this year, uh, I left my job, and what predicated that was our latest fund that we launched, which is a Regulation A-plus offering, which is very different from a Regulation D offering uh, because, A, we have to get qualified by the SEC. So, we had to go through the SEC to have them – they don't approve you, they qualify you, which – Uh, let's just say it's like having your English teacher in seventh grade grade your book report. Not only are they reviewing the terms, but literally like, well, this is on page seven, but why isn't it on page two? Mm. And then you go do that. And then they come back and say, Great. You fixed that one. But now on page 10, you know, it's like going to the DMV almost your, your motor yeah. vehicles and saying you want something like, well, you're missing this. And then you go and you bring it to them. Well, now you're missing this instead of giving you the full list. It's That's like great. once they find something wrong, yeah. they like cut you off there. Um, yeah. Sounds like the government. It, yeah. So what it allowed us to do is, uh, a, we can market to accredited and non-accredited. So anybody over the age of 18 can invest, mm. um, you it's almost some people will call it like a mini IPO because you're buying shares of the company, okay. but it's privately held, but also the investment amount is very different in a regulation D. Um, typically your investment amounts might be 25, 75,000. Okay. Our minimum is $500. Hmm. Is
0: so... there a
1: maximum also? No, there's no max. The Do max is a... 75 million, which is the max you can raise.
0: Okay. Okay, so I was going to say, uh, I, I was going to ask if there was a max on the other side. So yep. um, so that's really interesting because I haven't seen anyone who's able to, I haven't seen anyone in the mortgage note space who's been able to work with non-accredited investors at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody else who's doing an A+. Plus. Are mm-hmm. you the only fund that you're aware of that's offering this?
1: Uh, there is, um, one other, uh, which, cool. uh, you know, AHP servicing, who's okay. they, their servicing company actually has run through this type of offering their minimums, I think are, you know, very similar. Um, you know, and there's different ways you can, you can do this. Like for us, we went through the route of, we have a broker dealer that actually, sure. um, you know, we gets us licensed or passes us in all the States because, you know, as you raise money in different States, there's different blue sky laws, they call them. Um, we had to get an escrow company where all the money goes to, we actually have, uh, what's called a transfer agent, which is a company that records all the shares. So all the shares get sent to them. So it's on their historical database. So if my computer is burnt down or, you know, something happened, you know, to the company, someone's like, Hey, I still have those shares and it's, you know, in a licensed company that manages all of that. Yes. Yeah. So this
0: sounds like very expensive uh, regulation to, to, <laughs> uh, to get into, is it? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so the upfront fees. So Regulation D offering. You know, you can get in. I'll say between like ten to twenty five thousand to get the PPM and everything put together. Um, typically for this type of offering, you're going to be anywhere from about a hundred to two hundred
0: fifty thousand. Wow, huge difference. So. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. I want to talk about a couple of things. One is the the thesis there that you have. Mm-hmm. And obviously, mm-hmm. this is mortgage notes. And I think I'd probably go on about mortgage notes a bunch at Alt Reports. Mm-hmm. But help me understand what kind of notes you're looking to buy, where you're sourcing them. Are mm-hmm. they non-performing? Are you getting them re-performing? Like, let's just walk through mm-hmm. the, like what your box mm-hmm. looks like for what you're investing yeah.
1: Sure. I laugh when you mentioned thesis by the way because I was getting my masters during covid at Georgetown yeah. and my and it was real estate finance was my degree. And my masters was raising 50 million dollars to start a note fund. Was, okay. so literally my whole business plan uh, basically, you know. So I enjoy uh, sharing that story. Uh so our you know, our business plan is you know, we're buying non-performing and performing. I like to keep about a 60 40 70 30 split, 60-70% non-performing, 30-40% performing, a to mitigate risk, but also get some of that cash flow coming in the door. Um, so that um know we've invested in over forty states um, you know we're somewhat state agnostic you know there's states like New York that we're much more careful in, and there's certain counties we may not invest in, um, like certain counties in Illinois or certain counties in New York, just because of um, the time that it may take in time as in note investing is a big you know a big risk because if it takes a lot longer and you're paying you know basically you know, your your interest on those, um, you know, the investors that can have some significant impacts.
0: Hey, so, now, when you say it takes a lot longer, do you mean <laughs> to take action against a default or... Yeah. Is that real Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So if you want to take action um, on a default uh, and you have to go through the legal process, now our whole business plan is to try and keep the borrowers in their home. Yeah. You know, most known investors will tell you it's more profitable to keep somebody in their home and modify a loan than it is to foreclose if yeah. you're modeling it and buying it right. But you still have to take into account the worst case situation of, oh, if I do have to go legal and certain areas in New York, you know, If you can't go through the federal court and go through the state, it could take three, four, five years. And then you may foreclose, but then you have to evict that person. Mm -hmm. There was an article in a magazine recently about, I think it was a doctor or somebody who it took him like 20 years to evict or something like that. And finally, they evicted him after, um, you know, it made news headlines.
0: Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about then i get i get why you're doing that mix and so you bought you're buying the non-performing at a discount this lets you get a better yield mm-hmm. talk a little bit about where you're sourcing deals if you can without naming names of course but mm-hmm. one of the things that's been sticky in the note business for a little while is that where there's been just inventory uh, product mm-hmm. issues and all, some of that was all of the like crazy um government um, mm-hmm. um you know interference through the mm-hmm. COVID and all that with the forbearances mm-hmm. and and everything else and mm-hmm. so that really kind of stopped up the works for a while tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. how you're getting enough product to do this kind of this size
1: mm-hmm. um yeah deals. so a lot of it is you know relationships built over the last five or six years Uh, from certain funds that we've bought from in the past. But even some of those funds have gone and closed shop to look into alternative other types of investments. Um, And lately it's been also – there's several – you know i'll say i don't want to call i'll call them brokers but there's several large companies like a and I'll, you know some names like Emission capital or sure. first financial who yeah. they are almost they're brokers aggregators where the banks and large funds will send them the portfolio and they will solicit it out to their individuals yeah. and it's interesting because you know 3 months ago the inventory supply was very low and also pricing was higher than average because having a non performing note uh, was not really hurting your bottom line because the property was appreciating
0: mm-hmm.
1: now, where I think everyone can see where real estate prices are starting to head, yeah. and um, now it makes sense for those companies to try and liquidate and there 's still some sellers who are on February pricing and some who are in today 's pricing but you know since last Thursday, I have literally gotten. Sent to me probably over a thousand assets in about three hundred million in, you know, in assets that different entities are looking to liquidate. Yeah. Which this time of year it's common because people want to get stuff off their books, but you know, and I've seen a lot in the past. But this year, you know, the last two years with COVID, it has been very, very limited. Now it's like the floodgates seem to have been opened. Yeah. Um, but I also think people are looking to also stockpile some cash because during recessionary periods, cash is king.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what size uh, pools are you taking down? What is the total amount that like, do you have a target Mm -hmm. for this fund for the end size Mm -hmm. or does it roll or how does that work? Yeah.
1: So we're allowed to raise 70 up to 75 million per year. Uh, And so we got qualified in mid-July. Uh, so that 's when we were started to raise money and we started our marketing effort um, at that period of time right now we 've got a little over six million dollars raised uh, we 've already bought over two million dollars in assets um, and we 've got another you know million plus under agreement we 're doing due diligence on right now. And we just, uh, you know, every month, you know, we close. So last month in October, we just, you know, we raised about a million and a half dollars last month. Um, So now that money is actually hitting our accounts today. We're bidding on assets now. So we're looking right now at pools, um, you know, one to two million. And as we ramp up into next year, that's probably going to grow to pools of like five to 10 million. As our marketing effort continues to grow, we continue to spread the word about, you know, our offering and educate people about. about, you know, what it is we're doing and some of the differences that we've done um, on note investing um, with our investors um, and some even down to the the tax benefits that we can provide to investors as well.
0: Well, so that's a good lead in, because my next question here for you is I want to talk a little bit about your edge. Like, why you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why you guys? Why 70?
1: Yeah. So, you know, by doing the Regulation A offering, you know, we now have. 100 million plus people who can invest with us. Where when you're doing a Regulation D offering, you're yep. really sh- only real people who are looking for alternative real estate who are accredited. So we've, yep. you know, our pond is much bigger. Uh, we've had very low minimums. One of the other interesting things, and I know you've invested in notes. Um, the way we structured our corporation, and I can't provide tax advice. Got to make that stipulation. But we structured it as a C corporation, so investors should receive a dividend, which is taxed at the dividend rate, not the ordinary income rate. Mm. So we, you know, we will pay the corporate tax, but to our investors, now all of a sudden, you know, our our shares start at eight percent monthly, um, you know, eight percent paid monthly. But when you look at you know, an investment that is at 10% and if you're at that 37% tax bracket, your gross is 6.3. Our 8% at 20% is actually 6.4. Mm. And in those funds, if you invest in 50 grand, you know our 50 grand actually gives you bonus shares as well. So that's one way we looked at it is to give people that tax advantage that I have not seen anybody else do in the note space. So you know, that's kind of one edge. The second edge is kind of like we said, you can start with $500. Yeah. So you can start with, hey, let me see if this is real, you know, let you know, and let me invest 500. And then if, you know, you're comfortable with it, you can invest more. You know, for, again, we're both investors. When someone says, hey, you're going to invest 50 grand. I don't care how much money you have. That's still a little tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone says, hey, 500 bucks, I mean, it's half the price, you know, it's 50% the price of an iPhone. You know, yeah. most people can, you know, it's easier to to get over that hurdle.
0: For sure. So those yeah. are some
1: of the, the edges. You know, we've also built a staff. Um, you know, it's myself and eight other individuals um, who work with us. We have a, a separate investor relation team. We have an asset management team. Um, and we've got people, you know, and myself who are heavily involved. And, you know, the, the other differential I'll say is compared to some of the larger funds, you know, we touch every asset. You know, we work every asset. Okay. We don't have 5,000 assets and we're breaking them out at a portfolio level. Every asset I can tell you the story to.
0: Yeah. And so you guys do all the all the individual workouts. So give give me just an Mm -hmm. example of just so somebody understands sort of the numbers on maybe an individual note, what it Mm -hmm. the strike price may be versus what the face Mm -hmm. value and then how you Mm -hmm. structure that so that you Mm -hmm. have a win.
1: Yeah, actually, this is fresh in my mind because I just did a webinar today for our investors, and we did two case studies. So this one's easy. Okay, uh, so we did a case study where it was a um, an asset that had the uh, eighty-five thousand um, dollars was UPB with payoff, um, okay, which is unpaid principal balance. Unpaid principal balance. Yep. So they they basically owed eighty-five thousand dollars on the loan. Keep yep. you know things simple. Um, the property was worth about one hundred and twenty thousand. Okay okay um so they had a little bit of equity because the loan was originated around 2012 um uh and we bought that loan at uh for forty five thousand. so we basically paid about 55 cents on the on the dollar and it was um about 18 months delinquent uh so they were behind And we like to, you know, paint the picture of trying to understand why when we're bidding on these, if somebody's filed bankruptcy six times, we're probably not buying that asset because, you know, lucky number seven for them. But, you know, when you're bidding and stuff, sometimes you can, you know, get some of the information or after and the borrower had cancer. And they had lost their job, um, and they were recovering. Um, so it wasn't something that was, uh, you know, going to be fatal. But they were out of work, and anybody who's ever been on disability, you know, they don't cut you a check that day. It takes a little bit of time, and unfortunately, this person had other bills. But you know, we bought that note. Um, their payment was roughly about nine hundred dollars per month, uh, and what we did was we dropped their payment down to seven hundred dollars. We modified the loan to bring them current so they're not paying late fees and everything else. Um, We Basically, they paid for about 18 months, so we collected about $12,000 during that time. Then we sold that loan, which was at about the two-year mark, and we sold it for about $65,000. So over two years, you know, with, we had some expense, you always have expenses. So let's say we were in it for 50, but over yeah. two years, we ended up, you know, basically at 75,000. So annualized, you know, it was about a 25% return um, yeah. per year over that asset, which kind of fits that box. You know, yeah. we target when we're bidding to hit that mid, you know, 20, 25% on these non-performers because of the risk
0: involved. Right. And so uh, but that's not your total return because for the fund, because Mm -hmm. you've got employees and overhead and all that kind of thing. What are you targeting Mm -hmm. for a return for what what do investors expect Mm -hmm. or or hope to get? Yep.
1: So we um, so that started at eight percent and it can creep up based off of the investment amount. And that's kind of, you know, the pref. We don't have a waterfall. Uh, But we can, we can provide, um, you know, additional dividends. And the reason why with the waterfall, because it's an open fund, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, you have to also have a net asset value of every month and you have to price every asset because let's say you invested in month one, I invested at month 11. At the end of the year, if you were issuing additional funds, well, how do I, you know, what's your percentage versus my percentage? Sure, yeah. You know, and to do that within the and to do that within the SEC and the type of auditing and so forth that would have to mm. be required. Yeah. Um, it was something that, you know, was very difficult. And one of the things I'll mention to people, anybody who's out there who's looking to um be a sponsor, um, and you're raising money. Uh, you know, one thing I'll mention to you is you have to keep things simple. Yeah. Um, you have to allow the investor to understand what it is you're doing. And especially in mortgage notes, because most people don't understand mortgage notes. They think you're buying the property. So when you tackle the, how do you understand mortgage notes with a very complex payment system? Yeah, You know, most people are going to be like, I'm just going to go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure. So <laughs> um, um, so we're talking about a $500 minimum an 8% uh, monthly dividend as a target? Paid monthly, yep. Paid monthly, wow. Um, And what about uh, liquidity or what's the hold or lockup period? Uh, Four years.
1: Okay. So so we put the lockup for four years, which will allow us to, you know, go through several rounds on the non-performing side. A typical non-performing note will take about, you know, could take up to two years. Okay. Um, and then after that period of time, you can stay in. The company is still going to continue to operate. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure, invest. you know, we had people not coming in one month and then leaving three months later because yeah. we don't want to be forced to, we, we, you know, when you have funds like that, you can hurt your current investors because also, if you have to start liquidating stuff, yeah. you know, you might be liquidating it not at a right time or at the right pr- price.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so, tell me a little bit about what you see as the risks in this model because nothing's without any risk, right? We don't get a return mm-hmm. for, for zero risk. Yeah. And are you exclusively? Are you only in senior? Positions and Mm -hmm. um, and tell me a little bit about how you're mitigating any risks that there are Yep.
1: so uh, several risks one is when you raise a lot of money uh, you need to make sure you can invest that money you know just can't sit in the bank account Uh, so our primary focus is on first position senior liens um, which are you know I typically haven't got involved in seconds which are considered like home equity lines of credit Yep. the way we wrote the offering with the SEC was it gives us flexibility and what i mean by that is we can invest in single family rentals we could do a fix and flip so we left it open broad enough where say the note market completely dried up and i had 50 million dollars you know do i you know i would have to return it if it was strictly notes but we left it open to do other types of real estate and my background actually is been my career has been in real estate i've you know done commercial construction so i have that background so i'm comfortable being able to make all of those shifts and it gives us that ability so that's one way that's one risk of course uh, yeah. you know everybody's right now worried about um you know the economy and yeah. house prices Yeah. So we look at, um, you know, the risk involved if asset values start being compressed. So one way we mitigate that is right now we're putting in price damage on the asset value. You know, if I'm buying an asset from you that you say it's worth 200,000, I'm probably putting that in is worth 250 um, three. If you say 200, I'm saying it's probably worth about 160. Okay. You know, in a year's time. So um, those are some of the risks, you know, Without getting into all the nuances of note investing and all the the due diligence you have to to do as part of that, um, you know, the attorneys involved in reviewing collateral, insuring properties, um, yeah. checking taxes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of processes that we go through um, to it. mitigate risk. But the major risks right now, of course, are, uh, you know. If you raise the money, can you invest it? And then what is going on with the global markets? I think yep. that are the two biggest risks everyone's focused on. Um, I will say one of the benefits with notes compared to traditional real estate, though, is, you know, that example that I mentioned where the person owed 85 properties worth 110, we bought it for 45, is if house values drop by 30%, you know, yeah. the, the assets were 75,000 my investment's still only 45,000. So we yep. still have your equity covered. Now their loan might be a little bit underwater and we might not be able to collect as much, but typically we like to make sure, you know, there's equity in the property so we can protect that, you know, initial investment.
0: Yeah. It's a great time to be low in the stack. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as, <laughs> as we're adding into this, I
1: think, so. And Who, then, um, oh,
0: go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and,
1: you know, we joke with people when you say, you know, you drive through any major city, who's got the biggest building in the city? It's usually a bank. Yeah. And that's what we do. So, yeah. you know, essentially yeah. we are banks.
0: Yes. Well, mm-hmm. so who uh, should invest with you and where will the, will, uh, should they find you? Yep. Uh, So they can find us
1: at invest.7einvestments.com. And that's the number seven, the letter E, investments.com. And, you know, anybody can invest. So if it's something that you're looking to uh, alternative investment, maybe you got some money in the markets that you're looking to uh, move out of the markets or, you know, the multifamily syndications you're looking at right now. You might, you know, some people might be a little nervous about some of those. You're looking for diversity. Like I said, you know, with that minimum $500 investment, um, we really wanted to open it up to everybody, um, especially people who have like self-directed IRA money where they might yep. only have an HSA or they might've just started and put five or $6,000 in that account. Um, you know, this is a place where you can invest in real estate or invest in something um, that, uh, you know, can, you know, uh, give you uh, some alternatives to your traditional other styles of investment.
0: Yep. Yep. At, uh, 8% secured by first position. That's like low on the LTV is I think a no brainer for me. So appreciate you coming on here, Chris. It's been awesome talking to you. And, uh so happy for you that your business is flourishing like this. Like I said, seen you around for uh, a long time and you've really just blown the whole thing up. And I think it's just fantastic. So appreciate you getting on here and talking about it today. Thank you for having me and thank you for your kudos as well. Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Thank you all.